this morning, and uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, not Malachi. It starts with an M, though, so we're, we're still in the same we're in the same part of the alphabet. So uh, uh, it's so good to see you. And we're this, this morning we're going to be talking about the gift of Christmas, and and so if you're if you're with us this morning, and uh, I hope that uh, this this service is a gift. And I, my wife was just talking about how it'd be good just to keep singing, wouldn't it? It was just, it was just so good to sing together. And uh, we need to just have a big song fest sometime. So uh, we are going to sing some more coming up on Christmas Eve. So come back this Thursday night, 6 o'clock, and we'll, be, we'll do some more singing and have a good time, do a candlelight service, invite your friends, um, you know, and, and share the gift of Christmas. Because that's really what this is all about, is sharing the gift of eternal life. And this morning, I hope that we can extol the virtue of the gift of Christ and uh, I pray that we all can rejoice over this season. There, we need something to rejoice over, right? And uh, we have it. You know, we know Christ. And uh, yeah, Amy, if you can find my spectacles, I'm going to need those. Um, so uh, I'm sorry. I, I just realized, if you see me looking through my pockets, I'm like, uh, man, I'll do, I'll do this. I'll exchange. This is secret. I didn't do my, I always take that stuff out. Don't attack it. She does have my wallet, which is... Uh, She's, she's fierce. She don't want to try to take it from her. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, but at any rate, now I can really function. I can think straight now. I got, I got these become, when you get older, these become like a, a, a pacifier. <laughs> you just, you just aren't right without them. You know, you just got to have them. Uh, so, uh, my, yeah, yeah. One of these days I'll be like Ron, but, uh, I'm trying to slow that down, Ron. So, uh, but uh, Ron, Ron can teach us all how to operate with or without eyes, so uh, he can see better than anybody uh, oftentimes, and uh, he's amazing. We really appreciate, uh, by the way, be praying for James, he's, uh, he's out ill, he was scheduled to be in this morning, and, and so pray for him, but I appreciate Ron, just his flexibility, isn't he a gift to the body? Talk about gifts, he just dumps right in there and takes on the kids, the choir, the whole thing. Uh, on just literally 24 hours, less than 24 hours notice. So that's amazing, Ron. We appreciate you and uh, appreciate all that you do. And when he's not up here singing, he's back in the booth helping Ray. And so he's very, he's very helpful. Um, but uh, I also, I just really enjoyed Vicky this morning. Um, I was thinking this morning, <clears throat> in the, we were in the children's class, <clears throat> excuse me, in the warriors class, and we were talking about <clears throat> the wise men and how they came and and how they offered worship. You know, when you look at Matthew 2, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1, but when you look at Matthew 2, they, they were really uh, wanting to bring, the wise men came from the east, they wanted to give those gifts, and then one of the gifts that they offered, obviously we know the frankincense and the myrrh and, uh, and the gold, but they also brought, they brought, they wanted to worship God, and, uh, and they lifted up their voices. And uh, sometimes in this world, that's, that's the best thing you could ever offer God, right? He doesn't need our gold, he doesn't need our, our stuff, uh, and in a church of Laodicea, I think it's probably most important to realize what he's really after, <clears throat> which is kind of what I talked about last week, is he's after our heart, right? That's what we've been looking at in the book of Malachi. Uh, and so as we come to the book of Matthew this morning, we're going to see that God has a heart. And he has a, he's a giving God, and he, his nature is to give. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have one, uh, if you're a guest, you should have gotten a guest bag. Uh, if you're not, a, if you uh, were, didn't raise your hand, you're worried, or you don't have a Bible, and you're feeling like, "Wow, I don't have a Bible," grab one. There should be one near you in the seat rack in front of you. You can grab that, and you can turn to page 1,275 is where we're going to be this morning. 1,275 in those HBF Bibles uh, that are in the seat rack. So, uh, God has given us a, a great gift, <clears throat> and that is His Word. And so, this is like a this is like a gift, and this is a gift that you can unwrap every day. You can open up your Bible every day, and God is going to give you a blessing. He's going to speak to your heart. Uh, like Pastor Sam Miles says, it, it, when you read the Bible, if you don't get anything, read it until it reads you. And, uh, and that's kind of a policy I, I tab, too, is uh, you read the Word of God till it speaks. But every day when you open up the Word of God, it'll speak to you. And I pray this morning as we unwrap this message out of Matthew chapter 1, it's going to speak to us today. So if you would, let's look at Matthew chapter 1. We're going to just look at verses 18 through 25, then we're going to break that down, and, and then we'll get out of here, and you can continue your Christmas festivities as we uh, you know, head on into the week. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, uh, now preceding this is the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So all the genealogies is, <clears throat> are listed 
uh, from uh, uh, through the kingly line of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in Matthew, and uh, and then it brings us down, uh, you know, through verse 17 and mentions the 14 generations, and then in verse 18 it picks up the birth of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to pick it up this morning, Matthew chapter one and verse 18. The Bible says, "Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary." was a spouse to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he, ha- uh, he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, or spoken, I'm sorry, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. <clears throat> and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the name of Jesus. All caps mentioned there twice. Lord, we are thankful for what that name means. We'll talk about that in a moment, but we're thankful, Heavenly Father, for your word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Lord, we thank you for all of the, the, the things that you reveal to us today through your spirit, through your word, in your church the things that we get to experience around uh, not just this time of year, but every time we open your word and what you do in our lives, both in, in private and when we come together corporately and as you go and, and work in and through us throughout the days and the, the weeks of our lives uh, annually. And Lord, eventually our life is a vapor and it, it goes away. It, it appears for a while and it fades. And yet, Lord, we have the hope of eternal life because of this story that we just looked at, because of the reality of Jesus. And Lord, our life is so full that uh, not even death can conquer it. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for life. We're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the incarnation. I pray, God, now in a special way that you just open up our eyes that we'd understand to behold wondrous things from the Word of God about your Son. Thank you, Lord, for coming to this earth. Thank you for giving uh, your Son as that great gift at Christmas. Thank you for a country and a place that celebrates um, uh, Christmas. And, Lord, help us to stay focused on the main things. Uh, which is you, and on all the other superfluous things uh, that surround this time of year. We thank you, and we praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to be looking at the gift of Christmas, and we're going to progress through and see Christ's nature, Christ's purpose, Christ's desire, and ultimately at the end it really boils down to a decision that we've got to make. So we're going somewhere with this, and uh, and I want to just start off in the first uh, couple of verses there, 18 through 20, as we talk about Christ's nature. You see there in the text, it says in that verse 18, um, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, right? So it's like we would say today, it's, it, it went this way. This is how it went down. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so Mary, of course, is Jesus's mother. Uh, he didn't just appear, you know, like an alien spaceship. Boom, I'm here. Uh, he came and, and he, he literally was born of a virgin, and that virgin, of course, was Mary Joseph. Uh, as we know, as we can see in the text, as we all know, most of us, unless you've been hiding under a rock, uh, is obviously not the biological father of, of uh, Jesus. Now, that was known uh, to Mary, of course, and uh, I'm not going to get into every detail and read that. We could go and, and look at all the details in uh, Luke chapter 2. It was known, made known to Mary first, of course, and then it was made known to Joseph later, and, and then the story that we just, this, this part of the, the uh, story is brought together, and we see how Joseph uh, was informed, and then he did the right thing. <clears throat> and so, um, but it's interesting to think about the birth of Christ in the context of history, right? It was a turbulent time in, in the nation of Israel uh, at this time. The Romans uh, had rule uh, over Israel, uh, Herod, of course, was a surrogate king, and uh, chapter 2 gets into that. This is, the, this is the epistle that deals with the authority of Jesus Christ. He is coming as the king. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
but yet he, he's born and he's so he's he comes in as an infant and he's so and he dies as a lamb and so his authority just who he is 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 magnificent the way he appears on the earth is is just uh it's mysterious it's remarkable it's incredible <clears throat> and uh this is something that was hard for anyone to get their head around even mary and joseph of course <clears throat> but of course they by faith they believed the word of god they believed what god was doing in them and God uh, blessed them. But not everybody believed. And uh, not everybody received. And among those that didn't believe and receive, it wasn't people who didn't know Jesus. It was actually people who had met him. There were people that, that rubbed uh, elbows, so to speak, that were within his proximity, that had opportunities to see his miracles. They had opportunities to hear him preach. There was opportunities to be exposed to who he was. And yet they still would not receive him. You know, today... Uh, the word the Christmas, I mean, Christ is in the name of Christmas, right? And the whole world uh, celebrates Christmas. They're trying to get away from Christ as much as they can. I mean, you know, ho- happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, whatever, uh, you know, inventing holidays to get away from Jesus. But the reality is, is and by the way, Jesus wasn't a white supremacist. That's also a, a, her- a, fer- a heresy. Uh, he, he wasn't white. Uh, so, so you know, the the reality is that that uh, that. People want to get away from him. Even people who, who, who have heard the story, have heard the gospel. People who have, have had opportunity. You say, well, Brian, what has that got to do with the Christmas story? Well, just not too many years later, 30 years later, you know, the, the, it was still surmised that Jesus was not, or already surmised that he was not um, a divine being. He wasn't God manifest in the flesh. He wasn't Emmanuel. And the people who wanted to get away from that were not the folks living up in Galilee, although eventually they also rejected him, and initially they were warned to him, eventually they rejected him. Uh, it wasn't the Samaritans, you know the story, the woman at the well. I mean, those, a lot of the Samaritans received Jesus. Uh, military leaders, by faith, I mean, they, they received that he was Messiah, they believed. and I mean, a lot of people would receive him, but the religious people wouldn't. Uh, they heard him, they knew what he was saying, but they were threatened because even though he came as a humble child, he is the king. Remember last week we, we ended in Malachi, the last thing that we read in chapter 1 was God reminding the people of God, hey guys, I'm a great king. It's a shame that God has to remind his people of his authority. But you know what, it is coming. Just 400 years later, he had to remind them of his, his authority. And they rejected it. In John chapter 8, uh, and uh, we, you're going to have to turn there. Uh, and so t- turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. <clears throat> We're going to go old school this morning. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, then you get to John. You'll see down in verse, this is a, a great chapter, John chapter 8. Jesus is manifesting who he is. So he's, he's now grown. He's manifesting who he is to the Pharisees. And for time's sake, I'm going to cut down to verse 41. And they're discussing Abraham's seed, which is part of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is of the seed of Abraham, of course, of the seed of David. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And uh, they're rejecting that. you know, And, then, and they kind of, kind of assault his uh, integrity and his parents' integrity here. In verse 41, let's just look at it. It says, uh, this is what they're saying to Jesus after he tells them in verse 40. Now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus saith unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. He sent me. And then he goes on to say, uh, in verse uh, verse 43, Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my, my word? And so God... Is, is Jesus is God, and he's telling him, look, guys, I came forth from my father. They're saying, no, you came forth of fornication. We know about your mom and dad. So this is 30 years later. They're saying, no, you're, you are uh, 
forget for the, this is, I'm not cursing. You are a bastard in the true sense of the word. You are a bastard child. Uh, and he's like, no. I came forth from my father. And of course, he goes on to in that text to tell them, in essence, if you read it all of its entirety, he, he makes no problems of saying, hey, I am the Messiah, right? I am, because Abraham didn't treat me the way you are treating me. And they about blow, the cap of their brain blows off. I mean, they're just like, what are you saying? See, this is the reality. They were up against <clears throat> Jesus Christ day in and day out. They were listening to what he said. They knew he had power. They could see the evidence of who he was, but they would not receive his word. They wouldn't receive his word. And so <clears throat> as we enter the Christmas season, beloved, um, many of us would say, we know Jesus, we're, Christ, we're Christians, and we are. But you wonder, why is it that people aren't warming up to Jesus? Well, it's because they won't receive his word. <clears throat> and, you know, that's the reality. I was there once. I didn't want to receive his word. But the truth is, for all of us as Christians, it's important that we don't become like the Pharisees. We can get so familiar with the Christmas story. We can get so familiar with all the things that we forget who we're dealing with. We're dealing with God here. The incarnation, a lot, of course, a lot of folks like to see Jesus as a baby, but we know he is the great king. He is the great king that we saw in Malachi. The Pharisees, the Pharisees attacked Jesus' birth. Satan has been attacking the birth of Christ from the opening pages of Scripture. Ever since Jesus told Satan in Genesis 3.15 that his end would come through the seed of a woman, man, Satan has been after it. He has been attacking the seed of a woman. So we have God's word we, that Jesus <clears throat> was incarnated. We have God's word on Jesus' incarnation. The word incarnation, by the way, uh, in the middle of that word is, you see the word, you know, the letters C-A-R-N which is like carnality, right? You think of car when we hear the word carnal, we think of flesh, which immediately is on a negative connotation. But that what that really means is that God became flesh. That's what the that's when we talk about incarnation, God became flesh. So, we don't need to associate the word incarnation negatively. The mystery of godliness as Paul calls it in 1 Timothy 15 reveals that Jesus uh, 1:15 uh, reveals that Jesus was manifest in the flesh. He was God with skin being wholly divine and wholly human. Uh, there's a lot of false teachings around the incarnation, that Jesus was you know, just spiritual but not carnal. He had no flesh. Or that he was just fleshly but he wasn't divine. Or that he was an, a mirage or an image, you know, and uh, he wasn't really physically present. And there's all kinds of different, and there's fancy names. I'm not gonna, I, I was going to lay all that out, and then I said, you know what they'll do if I do that? So I'm not going to do that to you and waste all your time. Because we've got the word of God. We know that Jesus Christ came to this earth. And, and so God with skin on. He's wholly divine. He's wholly human. And that's only understood. How do we even understand that? By believing God's word. That's how we even understand the incarnation. When we reject God's word, we reject God's person. Just as the Pharisees did. We're born again by the word of God. And people sometimes are wondering, why, well, Brian, why are you so sticky? about the words of God? Why are you so sticky about, you know, the Bible you read and the words of God? Because, beloved, if, if we look at the whole of the Bible, there's been an attack on the words of God since Genesis, since man was put on the planet. And I tell you what, if you lose God's words, if you lose a grip on what God says, you lose a grip on your relationship, which is exactly how Adam and Eve fell into sin. And so how did God reconcile us? Well, he fulfilled his words. He didn't lose a grip on his words. He became his words. He manifests himself by keeping all the promises and the prophecies of his word. God's word is powerful. It is, it is quickening, as it says in Hebrews 4, right? It is sharp like a two-edged sword. It pierces and divides, and it, and it quickens us. It's an amazing thing. And Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. He literally died on the cross and was buried and rose again so he could quicken us and bring us to life. It's an amazing reality. It's amazing truth. So Joseph understood through this dream that was revealed to him about Mary by the angel of the Lord and, and, and he was told to, to you know name him Jesus. This child uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So Joseph understood this. So God makes it clear also to us in the book of Galatians, as the Apostle Paul wrote 
that, that Jesus was to be born of a woman. In Galatians chapter 4, you're going to have to turn back there, Galatians 4 and verse 4. Go back there and look at this, Galatians 4 and verse 4. In uh, Galatians chapter 4, I'm not going to tarry for time's sake, and just look at that verse. It says, But when the fullness of times was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, not of jo- it wasn't of Joseph's seed, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So it very clearly tells us in Galatians 4 and verse 4 that Jesus Christ, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman. So Jesus' human nature was genetically taken from David's DNA through Mary. And for in Romans chapter 1, you can go back and look at that, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to turn to all these, so if I can get there, you can get there. I'm there. Uh, Romans chapter 1. I did have a little head start. I'll give you a little minute to respond. Romans chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, the son which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Right, The seed of David um, is regarding that he was born of a woman named Mary who was of the seed of David. So genetically, he had the DNA of, of David's uh, genetic line. He can fulfill the promise of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, you want to keep a finger in Matthew chapter 1, but you can go back to 2 Samuel in the Old Testament uh, and then look at chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God's making a promise to David, and it says in 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12, 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12, and, and, when the day, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Very specifically, talking about David's seed coming out of his bowels, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. You say, yeah, but he was chastened, but he never did anything wrong. Right, he was bruised for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was put on him. And you say, wow. Now, uh, many, and you may or may not know, it depends where you are in your Bible study. A lot of you have heard a lot of Christmas messages. We know that there was kind of a roadblock to the king, right, through, through the line of Solomon, coming on down through uh, the line of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph was of the royal line as well. Because of Jeconiah's sin, um, Joseph couldn't be the king anyway. So the only person that could be the king is Jesus, and it came through Nathan's seed. Uh, who comes through, which was also a son of David. So God did an end around there and tricked the devil. And then we have the, literally the DNA from David's throne. And of course, Jesus Christ is going to bring his own royalty because he is the great king. All right, so Jesus was fully human and fully God. Now let's look at his humility because he was ridiculously, uh, uh, God is so humble. Go back to Philippians. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But Philippians chapter 2. And a very familiar passage to many of us, Philippians 2 and verse 6, dealing with the, the incarnation of Christ. He says, um, well, let's start in verse 5. Let this mind, this is very familiar. It's, I think this is in our uh, memory lessons in discipleship one. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? And we talk about the word of God, which we should have that in us. But this is also a mindset, the way Jesus thinks. Who being in the form of God, let's just pause there before at that comma. Jesus Christ is God. He is, he is God. He is in the form of God. Um, though, it, uh, uh, though it not thought it not be robber, robbery to be equal with God. Thought it not be robbery to be equal with God. What's that mean? What that means is, is that Jesus Christ, when, he, when you say Jesus Christ is God, you are not robbing God of anything. Because Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Uh, the folks catty corner across the highway will disagree with that vehemently. Uh, but Jesus Christ is God. Uh, and he's God manifest in the flesh. He's not robbing anything from God, though he did make himself a little lower than the angels, right? He limited himself as a human so that he could die on the cross for our sins. But he didn't rob God of anything. But made himself of, nonetheless, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now the likeness denotes the human nature of man. In Genesis 1.26, Adam was created in the image and the likeness of God. And after the fall in Genesis 3, man uh, retained his likeness, uh, but he lost the image. Because we know in the New Testament that Jesus is the express image of God. I think I mentioned that either in the Ephesians study or in the last few weeks. I don't remember which sermon it was. But we've talked about that. I think it was last Wednesday night. We, We went into that in some detail. How Jesus Christ is the express image of God. So if you want to see God in, with skin on, who are you going to see? Jesus, that's right. That's God with skin on. And in uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says he is the uh, image right, of the invisible God. So the invisible God is manifest through the image, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in <clears throat> uh, that image is restored in man... Let me ask you, when is that image restored in man? Yeah, whoever said it. I think Sherry or or Sharon. Someone with an S. Uh, uh, Someone in the S section over here. You guys have a signed CD? I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, so whenever, whenever you get saved, literally we say, ask. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you are saved. We know when we call upon the name of the Lord, our soul is sealed with what? The Holy Ghost. That's the gift. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So what happens when you get saved? Well, the Spirit of God literally comes inside of you. Ephesians 2 says it quickens you, it brings you to life. We're circumcised spiritually, we're cut away from our flesh. And God has set us apart. He's sealed our soul until the day of redemption. What happens is Christ, the invisible person of Christ, Holy Ghost, comes in and seals our soul. The image of God is in you. You don't have that image because you're born physically. You have that image when you get born again. That's why Jesus came to Nicodemus and said, Thou must be born again. He didn't say you must be religious. You must be a Pharisee. You must know the law of Moses. So all those things were good and fine. Those were not wrong things. Those were good things uh, if you had a heart to hear the words of Christ. Because Jesus Christ is greater than all those things. He is God. And when we don't receive him for who he is, well, we are rejecting God when we don't receive the word of God. And so the word of God, when we get saved, the Bible says that's why we're born again by the word of God. Because it's the word of God that quickens us. And Christ is the express image of the word of God. So God's word enters our hearts. So our hearts are like soil, and it receives the seed of God's word, just like reproduction. And then, just like reproduction is divine, when your faith is coupled with the word of God in your heart, you know what? God divinely quickens you, and you are brought to life through the image of God. That all wraps around the incarnation. Because Jesus Christ had to come to this world and, 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 uh, and connect with us in a very, very tangible way. Jesus' incarnation provides a way for our spiritual transformation and eventual translation in every sense into his spiritual kingdom. That's why we have hope beyond the grave because it, this affects not just our life today. Today there's kind of a, a low-level gospel. You know, if you trust Christ, your, your life is going to get better. And so Christians are going crazy today. Go, well, why isn't our world getting better? Well, the, you have to read the Bible. Right? And find out why it's not getting better is because you, are, you just happen to be born again, if you are born again. You've been born again into one of the biggest, most cosmic battles that eternity will ever see. And you're right smack dab in the middle of it. And the day, the day is coming when it's all going to get shook out. So you're living at the greatest time ever to be a Christian. And people are scared, they're freaked out, but they don't really recognize it's almost just like the time of Mary and Joseph. Uh, God's people were freaking out. Things weren't going the way they wanted. They wondering what's next. They haven't heard from God in 400 years. And you know what? God was getting ready to do a great thing. He was doing a great thing. You know, God's, <clears throat> God's, uh, God's nature and presence, it scares many in human authority. You get to the second chapter of Matthew, like I mentioned, and Herod is like, man, 
there's a king, there's a king, I'm the king. I'm in charge of this kingdom. Hey, listen, Jesus is in charge of this kingdom. Whether people recognize it or not, just because he's meek doesn't mean he's weak. And so it's so important that we grasp hold of, of the words of God. Christians, listen, you have nothing to fear because you got Christ. He's not just near, he is in you of a truth. And so Jesus' birth reveals his divine nature. Now, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible tells us that. And, uh, and so John chapter 1, I'm just going to flip over there. John chapter 1 and verse 14. Uh, the Bible tells us in John 1, 14, which is just... Now, John, you see Jesus as, as God. If you want to see Jesus as God, you read the epistle of John. He's manifest as God. Matthew, you see him as the king. Uh, Mark, you see him as a servant. Luke, you see him as a man. And then the son of man. And then when you get over to John, he is the son of God. You see him as God. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says, And the word was made flesh. Now, if you study the Bible and you, you cross-reference that word there, that capital W, it's a proper noun. It's not just the word, like a word written on a page. It's the word, a capital W. It's the proper na- name. It's a proper noun. It's a name for Christ. His name is the word. He comes back in Revelation 19. He has a name written. It's called the word. He is the word. And so it says here that, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now we saw that we saw in Galatians that he was born of a woman. That woman, of course, is Mary. But now we see over here in John chapter 1, ah, we got him. We got the Christian now. We found a contradiction in their Bible. Because it says here very clearly that he was that 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 we beheld his glory and it was the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth well if he was begotten of the father capital f the father in heaven how can he be how can he have skin on well that is the mystery of godliness that's exactly what paul talks about that is the that's what christmas is about is recognizing that this baby has dual nature not not separate but he is all god and he is all He's all human. And God did that. Why? So he could reconcile us to himself. For that which is conceived, he said in that that dream, he says, that which is conceived uh, in her is of the Holy Ghost in Matthew 1 and verse 20. So when we say that in Galatians 4, 4, Jesus was born of a woman, we know that from the Gospels that Mary was the virgin mother of Jesus. She'd never known a man. That means carnally laid with a man. She'd never had sexual relations with a man. And yet God was able to use her womb and bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ. The contrast to Jesus' humanity is the reality that, that his birth was the first step in revealing the deity to the world. The Word was made flesh. He is the only begotten of the Father. There's no other way, he would later go on to say. There's no other truth. There's no other life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. He is the only begotten of the Father. That passage in John reveals the human uh, nature of Jesus uh, being the Word, becoming flesh, uh, as, as well as the reality that the Word is the only begotten of the Father. The, the Gospels are clear that Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Uh, the divine DNA of the Father was bonded to the DNA of David's seed through Mary. And this is a mis- mystery for sure, but nonetheless, it's true. And Jesus was sinless, though he was all God, and he was all man. So Jesus' birth reveals God's humble nature. And we've already been to Philippians chapter 2, and and back in that verse in Philippians chapter 2, the the text says in verse 7, he he made himself of no reputation. And then in verse 8 it says, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus chose to, to be born a humble servant, not a ruling king. Though the last thing he said over there in Malachi, right, in chapter 1 is, hey, I am a great king, but he doesn't come. Uh, of course, the wise men figured it out. They weren't even Jews. They were figuring out his authority. Uh, of course, Herod was scared of it. But Jesus chose to be born a humble servant, not a ruling king, though he is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, of all. And this is the, the mindset that we're to have as well. We're to have this mind in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you know when you think about the difference between Jesus' physical birth and who he was and who he is, and what his glory looks like today, that, that lines you up with 1 Corinthians 15 and your new birth. And what you think, what you are today is nothing, nothing at all resembling what you're going to be in glory. 
There is so much to look forward to in glory. If we really got it, we'd probably go out here and jump in the middle of 49 Highway to get out of here. You know, beat me up, Scotty. Get me out. I want to get in my new body. Uh, but uh, at any rate, that would be a bad thing. Uh, don't do that. In Matthew 23, the Bible says, but, this is the great, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall, be, that, uh, shall, be hum- that shall humble himself I'm sorry, shall be exalted. So that's the mindset that we're to have. Jesus led by example, even, even in his incarnation. He humbled himself. He humbled himself just to be born. You know, he could have just, he was, a, there's Christophanies, the, Theophanies, whatever you call them theologically, where Jesus just shows up all over the New Old Testament. You know, he shows up to Joshua, did devotion yesterday at the men's breakfast. He shows up to Gideon. I mean, he just shows up, shows up to Abraham, and boom, he's there. He's, he's got a body. He's ready to roll. Uh, but that's not the body that was fitted for death. Uh, that's the one that we've been talking, we celebrate at Christmas, because that's the way we get access to life. And so we celebrate Christmas. We remember that, that Christmas is truly about not what you, what you get, but what you give. And what was given for us is what we need to give to others. Have you received the gift of eternal life? Most of you may have. Maybe some of you haven't. Christmas is a reminder that the eternal God humbled himself to the point of death and demonstrates the power of eternal life and then offers it to all freely through faith in his Son. And people think, well, yeah, salvation's cheap and it's free. Don't ever say that about salvation. Salvation costs God everything. It's free to receive, but don't ever think it's cheap. That's an, then you don't understand it. It costs God everything. If you had to earn it, you could never earn it. That's why God gives it to us. It's not, it, doesn't have any, it has nothing to do with the value of salvation. It has everything to do with how God loves the world and values us. It cost him everything to redeem us. So Christmas is a reminder that eternal God humbled himself to the point of death and demonstrates the power of eternal life and then offers it to all. Now, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. So kids, one of the things you can do for your parents for Christmas is submit. Man, isn't that good? Uh, they're like, man, that's not what I wanted for Christmas. Yea, yea all that are subject uh, to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. You need some grace. Yeah, man, if we need grace, you know what we got to do? We got we to lay down our pride. And, God, and you know what? God says, you know what? If you lay down your pride and you are humble like me, I'll give you grace. That's how you get saved. But that's not just how you get saved. That's how you live. And so in human relationships, that's how we get along. That's why the body of Christ is reminded at the Lord's Supper, right? The same night in which Jesus was betrayed... He took bread, right? Everyone at his table betrayed him. Well, Judas betrayed him. Everybody else fled. But in essence, they all left him, except John. The point is, is that Jesus died anyway. He didn't say, well, forget it. I'm done. These people don't appreciate me. Hey, nobody appreciated Jesus appropriately. We haven't appreciated him appropriately. We've sang some songs to him. We're... We're honoring him in the word, but man, guys, it's going to take us eternity to really appreciate what he's done to become flesh and die for us. Man, it's amazing the gift that God's given us. Man, no, he didn't. He went ahead and died on the cross. He went ahead and glorified the Father because he's like, hey, uh, I know they ain't going to appreciate it, Dad, but you will because you love the world. And so his life was given for ours. So as we celebrate Christmas, we're reminded that what it's truly about is the eternal God who humbled himself to the point of death and it demonstrates the power of eternal life that we offer all freely. So we need grace and we need to be humble. So words are not adequate to really describe the humility of Christ and his actions from the incarnation through the crucifixion. However, they're evident to all of humanity. We even celebrate them. One of my favorite Christmas songs is, is How Many Kings by Down Here. It's a great song. If you never heard it, dial it up, listen to it. And it extols the virtue of Christ. And in the Chorus, it says this, How many kings have stepped down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? How many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that's all torn apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? And then the refrain goes on to say, only one did that for me. 
all for me and all for you. That's beautiful lyrics. And we think about Christmas. That's what we really are talking about is what God gave for us to give us value. The only appropriate way to indicate our understanding of Christ's humility is to ourselves be humble before him and call upon his name. If you're not saved today, you need to do that. That is the response every soul needs to have to Christ's incarnation, is understanding that we need to bow and humble ourselves before him and receive his word and receive that gift of eternal life. Just as those shepherds did, man, they were so excited to to hear the news. And they went and they saw this babe in a manger and they worshiped. You know, Jesus' birth also reveals his holy nature. In verse 20, it went on to say in in Matthew chapter 1, For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph was no longer hesitant to embrace Mary as his bride, knowing that the child in her womb was indeed of the Holy Ghost. The evidence of his holy nature would be manifest in the announcement to the angelic host, with the, the announcement of the angelic host to those lowly shepherds, and then the arrival of the wise men when Jesus was was a young child. And as Jesus was 12 years old, right, where was he found? He's in the temple. He's talking to the, to the leaders. Uh, he's in there with the Sanhedrin, shooting questions and hard answers. And, and they're like, where's Jesus? He's always with us. Now he's, he's disobeyed us. No, he didn't disobey. He's like, hey, guys, didn't you know I'm about my father's business? He wasn't talking about Joseph. He was talking about the father in heaven. As he grew in, in favor with God and men, God sent forth his his cousin, John the Baptist, to prepare the way of the Lord and make the path straight and prepare the nation of Israel's heart. What was he doing? He was preaching the word of God. He was fulfilling what the word of God says. He says, hey, prepare your hearts, right? Prepare your hearts. Messiah's coming. And, of course, then Jesus appeared. And upon starting his public ministry, the evidence of his divinity was manifest through signs and miracles, confirming the authority that he had over the Jews. And he gave evidence of these divine attributes, as he was revealed as the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm not going to look up all the verses. I've got them up there if you want to. Oh, I don't have them up there. Do I? Yeah, I do. They're, they're, they're up there. You can take a picture with your phone and look all those up. But he's, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He, he was the creator, the commissioner, the controller of angels. They're like, wait a minute. Who are you? I'm God. He can do whatever he wanted. He, was, he, he would forgive sins. Remember when he, he forgave sins? They blew their top. You can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Bingo. You got it. Uh, he was the creator. and the uh, Well, he had, he, uh, he had to command over death and hell. Matthew 9, 24. He was creator and preserver of all things. In the beginning was the word. The word was made flesh and dwell. I mean, he is in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Jesus was there. Before the worlds were formed, before the angels were formed, Jesus was there in the Godhead. Jesus was there. He was the judge of all men, and he will be the judge of all men. And I, you could throw in Revelation chapter 20 in there as well on, on that last one, because he will judge all men. So during his earthly ministry, he declared that he was also self-existent. He declared that he was eternal. He declared that he was immutable, which, which means unchanging. He declared that he was omnipresent. I mean, he says, yeah, I was with, I was just, one example is, is just, uh, well, he was, he was just amazing. He could literally disappear in a crowd of people and show up over here. Every once in a while, he just do something crazy like that. And it's like, whoa. He just, he just freaks everybody out. He's omniscient. Immutable means unchanging. Omnipresent means he's everywhere at once because he's God. He's omniscient, meaning he knows everything. And he's omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. And all that's true. He's all that. And he was born a humble child. The, the greatest miracle, though, that Jesus performed was in conquering sin and death as our sacrifice. He, he exited the tomb on the third day and returned to the throne of God at his ascension in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 and, and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And Philippians 2, 9 goes on to say, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under the earth. You know, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. But the truth of the matter is, just like the Pharisees resisted, so do people. There are people, maybe even right here in this room, maybe people watching online, that even though you might understand, you might intellectually grasp the facts, uh, maybe you even start to believe that, 
you will not literally bow your knee. You will not literally confess with your mouth that someone else other than you is Lord. You will not relinquish control of life. And you're going to clutch your life to the point of death. And you've got to learn that Christmas is about giving. The first thing that you need to give is your life. You've got to give up. You've got to give up your life to get life. And you've got to exchange this life for his life. And you, gotta, you can only do that by faith. I've been there. I know what it's like to jump off that cliff and trust Christ as Lord and Savior. But there's a point in time where God brings you to that precipice where you know in your heart of hearts you need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You finally get the gospel. But only you can make that decision to trust Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. Only you can do it. And I pray today that if you need to do that, that you would do that today. Because Christ's nature is important for you to be changed into his very image. For you to get the glory that I've been talking about, to get all the things that God has for you at the resurrection, you've got to receive Christ, the very image of God, the express image of God. And so the second point, and this will get quicker as we go, is Christ's purpose. In verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, And he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Everyone knows Jesus' name. For he shall save his people from their sins. His purpose was simple. Christ's purpose is to reveal his name. Uh, Jesus. His name, Joseph was commanded to give uh, the name of this child, Jesus. Uh, and why is he, why's he got to give him that name? Because in the Hebrew, Jesus is synonymous with Joseph. You hear me say that quite often. But that really means Jehovah saves. The King James gang, if you've got an Oxford in the wide margin, they put Savior. Because that's also a good way to say it. He is Savior. He is Savior. Jesus saves. Yeshua, right? He is Savior. He is the Savior of the world. The purpose in his name is understanding who he is. His purpose is revealed in his name. He is the Savior. And so Christ's purpose uh, fulfilled the promise of Scripture. He was, prom- he was the promised seed of the woman. So saving humanity from their sin was exactly the purpose uh, for Christmas, for his birth. He was the promised seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. There was a promise. Jesus said that to Satan there in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. I will bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15, God promises, you know what, Satan, you're going down, and you're going down through the seed of a woman. And of course, we find out that that woman is going to be Mary. He was promised, he was the promised seed of Abraham in Genesis 12. I'm just going to run through these, and those are on the screen as well. If you want to take a snap of those, you can. He was the promised seed of Isaac. He was the promised seed of Jacob. He's the promised seed of Judah. He's the promised seed of David. Every one of those verses up there are prophecies where God says, listen, uh, I am, I'm going to work through you. I call it the Messiah Highway. And so God is like, you know, better than Babe Ruth, right? You know, Babe's like, I'm going to hit it. The, the theory is he's pointed, you know, and he hit the home run. And everybody's like, whoa, prophet of baseball, you know. I mean, God's calling it out. And with each generation, he gets more specific and more specific and more specific. He starts off saying, hey, Satan, your doom is coming through a woman. Hey, Satan, your doom is going to come through this guy that's full of faith named Abraham. Hey, Satan, your doom's going to come through this guy, Isaac. And, hey, you're, and then his son, Jacob. And then his boys, Judah. Yeah, Judah, over here. Look over here, Satan. <laughs> and then eventually it comes down to 2 Samuel. We read the prophecy. Hey, he's going to have a throne. And it's going to come through David. So Satan's got all the information. He knows exactly. He thinks he knows what's going to go on. And in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. We end up in this, this text where we started. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. And it opens. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it starts here with the Son of Abraham. The promise to Abraham and his seed. Which is what the Jews, remember John chapter 8? That's what the Jews were saying in John chapter 8. We be not of fornication. We be of Abraham's seed. Jesus says, oh no. If you're of Abraham's seed... You're going to receive me by faith, like Abraham did. They're like, what are you saying? Well, they knew what he was saying. I'm God. And so, it's amazing. And so, the genealogy of Luke takes Jesus' seed all the way back to Adam as he prevails over humanity. Matthew reveals Jesus as the rightful heir of the throne of Israel as the king. So, Christ's purpose was was fulfilled as a human when he died on the cross for our sins. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15... This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Now, for us in the church, we understand what that means 
I've explained it very clearly. It has everything to do with our spiritual inheritance. But the prophecies, as you can see, the prophecies build on top of prophecies. And that's why you are a savior. You're going to come back at the second coming of Christ if you're a Christian. The saving work of Christ, it's not only for our souls, and then in the future it's going to be saving Israel from the kingdom of Antichrist. It's going to be setting up the Gentile kingdom. There's a whole kingdom prophecy that I'm not even going to get into this morning that have to do with the fulfillment of Jesus Christ being the Savior. Everything about him is a Savior. And when you get saved, I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang on. Guess what you need to be? Not like David Koresh, God complex Savior. But you need to be caring about the words of life so that people can get saved. God commands us to go and to be part of his saving process. And so there's a lot of promises that are yet to be fulfilled. But the things that we focus on till the catching way of the church is this one thing, shining the light of the gospel of Christ so people can see it and receive the gift of eternal life while they have opportunity. Because the best Christmas gift any Christian can give the Lord And the world in this life is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So we started the year. You may have forgotten about it. It's been so long ago. And we talked about wholeness in holiness. And we stripped away a lot of the the varnish on that subject. And we got down to the core of the issue with holiness, man. It's not what you do. It is who you are. Right? That's who the best gift we can be to this world is being like Christ. And that's who you really are, understanding your identity. That's why I've been hitting on all these topics of our identity, our, our identity, our identity. Our identity is not found in politics. Our identity is not found in, in, in what we do. It's found in who we are in Christ. It's who we know. That's why we do what we do. So the gift of Christmas, it reveals Christ's nature. It reveals Christ's purpose, but it also reveals Christ, Christ's desire. In verse 22, he says in chapter 1 of Matthew, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name. What's the word there? Emmanuel. That is bad. Say that again. What's the word? Okay, good. You're awake. Which being interpreted is, what is it? God with us. Man, we don't even have to get out our concordance, man. We don't have to look up the Greek or the Hebrew. You got it right there. God with us. Quoting Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Over 400 years before it happened, it's all already set forth in the scripture. God's word is true and it comes to pass. As Jesus walked by the temple in John 2 verse 19, he explained to his disciples that this temple is going to be destroyed and in three days I'm going to, bring, I'm going to rebuild this thing. That's a paraphrase. And they thought to themselves, it took 40 years to build that thing. How's he going to raise it in three days? But after the resurrection, they realized, oh, man, he's talking about his his body. His body. You know, after Jesus ascended in Acts 1-9, he sent his spirit in Acts chapter 2. And from that time until the catching away of the church, salvation accompanies the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, as I mentioned earlier, of all who will call upon the name of the Lord. Why is that? Well, it's because of what's said at the end of verse 23. Emmanuel, God is with you. know, God wants to dwell with us. Isn't that crazy that he wants to dwell with us? He wants to, he wants to be with you in spite of our sin. Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being, that you, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You know, how does, how does God dwell in us? It's through love, isn't it? The Bible says we need to obey the gospel. The Bible says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So when we obey the gospel, when we call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, that love relationship begins. He loved us. He was obedient. He loved the Father, died on the cross for us. We love him and we obey the gospel, call upon the name of the Lord by faith. He indwells our body. He becomes, this is his tabernacle. It's a temporary housing. And someday it's, we're going to be in the, in the temple, literally, the, the third heaven with him. It's going to be an incredible thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so awesome to know as we watch some of our friends struggle. And we know that for all of us, life is fleeting. We don't know how many days we have. If the Lord doesn't come today, you know, we may not have tomorrow. But you know what? We do have this. We have the knowledge that God doesn't just want to dwell with us today. Man, he wants to dwell with us for all of eternity. And that's what the incarnation is about as well. He came and dwelt on this earth. And, man, we didn't have a lot for him. 
He had to be born in a manger. He had to be, come to this humble world. He came to an oppressive society. He had to be, his, he bounced across, you know, uh, several hundred miles to get to, not several hundreds, like a hundred miles, I think. I, I forgot the, the distance, but it's quite a ways to get from Galilee down to Bethlehem. And, uh, you know, it, it's a wonder that Mary didn't have a miscarriage. Nothing about his, his coming to be here was really comfortable. He became extremely uncomfortable. Because at the end of the day, he wasn't thinking about dwelling in a pad in Galilee. He wasn't thinking about having a nice house down in Bethlehem, a nice place to have birth, birthing center of Bethlehem, right? Uh, let's build a birthing center in Bethlehem so no other babies are born in such horrible circumstances. No, that's not what he was worried about. What he wanted to do is dwell in the hearts of men. And someday he wants to dwell in the heart of Jerusalem. He'll do that too in the future. But he wants to be in our hearts, and he wants to dwell with us. And so Colossians tells us in chapter 1 and verse 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Whereunto I also labored, striving according to the working which worketh in me mightily. We go to work. There is work to be done, but it's not to be saved. It's because we're saved. It's because God is dwelling in us. Man, there's nothing you can't do. The purpose of Christmas is not just to describe the gift. That's not the purpose of Christmas. That's not the purpose of my message. The purpose of the message today is to understand that God has a desire to dwell in us, but he also has a desire to dwell in everybody else. You know what the purpose of the Christmas message is this morning? It's to under, not just describe the incarnation. That's almost indescribable. It, the, the, issue, the issue is not just understanding what Jesus did, though that's important. It's super important. What the real issue is, is not just a description, although that's given. It's the distribution. God gives us not just the information. He gives us an ability to process this, to quicken it, and get it in the lives of other people. It's the most incredible thing you're ever going to see and ever experience in your life when you take the gospel, when you take the gift of eternal life and you open your mouth and you let Christ come out of you and land in someone else's heart and they are quickened. We just had a young man this morning. I'm in the, in the class and we're going through. And, well, actually, Pat's going through. Pat's my witness. He can give me an amen. And he makes a profession of faith. He starts preaching to the class. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives an altar call and says, how many of you have gotten saved? Pat and I are just looking at each other. It, that, that happened. We're just like, go boy. Go Jesus. I, I think something happened in that kid's life. It's amazing. I was like, wow. He wasn't just learning information about the incarnation. He was distributing the gift. See, the deal is, is you can't give what you don't possess. You know, Colossians 3, 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge by the, image, by the image of him that created him. You know, beloved, we got to make sure we're honest with God and others. Why is that? Well, because what 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are, are lost. It goes on to say in verse 6, God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness, and he shined in our hearts. When we see all the pretty Christmas lights. We've got these pretty Christmas lights here. We've got lights you know, here and there and yonder. It's kind of cool that you know, Christmas and lights are all synonymous. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. But the lights that God wants to turn on, he wants to take this. If we could turn off the lights, man, he wants us to just light this up spiritually, not physically. It'd be dark if we turned off the lights. But it was just, we could light up the world. I pray this Christmas that we light it up. Because the gift of Christmas, it, it reveals Christ's nature, Christ's purpose, and Christ's desire. But ultimately, we have a decision. In Matthew 1.25, as he ends there, he says, Hey, uh, he knew her not. Well, Joseph being, I'll start verse 24. Joseph being raised from the sleep, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. He honored God, he honored his wife, and he called Jesus, well, by his name Jesus. Joseph, what happened? He was raised from sleep. 
And so, beloved, this is one thing I want to make sure we don't do this Christmas. Don't sleep in. You know, when, when you're a little, if you have little kids, at least when I was a kid, I don't know how it goes today, but when I was a kid, I was up in the middle of the night. You know, it's still dark out. I'm ready to rip into, I was ready to rip into those gifts. My kids, when they were smaller, that's the same way, man. They, it was like as soon as you could get up, they wanted to get to the gift, didn't they? You know what? We need to be urgent about the gift. We need to be urgent about not getting, not for us getting, but you know, as a parent, right, you, what that means, if they're going to get their gifts, you got to what? Get out of bed and go in there and put on a smile and go, go you know, get going. Don't let Christmas become old hat. The joy is about giving. In Romans 13, 11, this is what the Lord says. It says, And knowing that the time, that it's now high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Beloved, time is clicking by. You've got the gift if you're saved, man. Your time's coming. It's quick. It's coming near. But you know what? Not everybody has that. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Awake, awake, awake to righteousness. Awake and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. What God is concerned about is not our information. He's interested in our, well, he is interested in the right information, but he's also interested in the distribution. Awake, wake up. We got to get this party started. We got to get the gifts into the people who need them so desperately. People that have a heart to receive the word of God. Joseph honored God by deciding to obey God's will. What is God's will for you this Christmas? What would you have to do with the gift of Christmas? If you boil it down, there's only really two categories. Some may need this morning, you may need to receive the gift. And then there's others of us, you know, that we need to give it away. You're either in one of the two camps. You either need to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, or you've already received it, and it's time to give it away. It reveals, the gift itself reveals Christ's nature, Christ's purpose, and Christ's desire to dwell with men. Perhaps your decision to, is, to, is to have God change your nature today. Maybe you need a new nature Maybe you need to have his desires. Maybe you desire to have, maybe you know in your heart, you know what, I am resisting God dwelling in me. Maybe you think there's so many dark closet doors that that can't be dealt with. You're wrong. God can deal with any door that you don't want to open. He's already dealt with it. That's the truth. It wasn't just that he was born. It's that he died and he was made alive. So let's do this. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to think about the Christmas gift, to think about God with us, Christ, Emmanuel. Jesus is his name, Savior of the world. We're thankful for the gift of eternal life. If you'd stand with me with the attitude of prayer, please. I just want to conclude in a word of prayer. You're going to sit in a while. It's getting warm in here. Maybe this morning you need to, to, to commit to following the Lord Jesus Christ in some way. Maybe you're really thinking about, you know, Lord, I do need to, I need to respond to what you've done in my heart. Maybe this morning you need to respond to the call to be saved. With heads loud, nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, you're like, Brian, you are talking to me. I need to be saved. I need to be born again this morning. Is there anybody on the sound of my voice? I need to be saved. Just raise your hand where you're at. We're not going to... I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to know because that's important. That's the most important thing that's going on. It's been amazing. Week after week, we've had people that need Jesus as Savior. So we're, we're here to help you see that in the Bible and receive the gift. Unwrap the gift from God's Word. Anybody? Anybody at all? Maybe we're all saved. Could you just, if, you're, if you are saved, you've received the gift, just as a testimony of the Lord, just raise your hand and praise to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can put them down. Maybe you couldn't lift your hand because you really are on the fence. If you couldn't, you need to get that settled. But man, if that's us today, hallelujah, praise the Lord, joy to the world. The Lord has come and he's in us, the image of God. Maybe God needs to call some of us to respond in baptism. Maybe we need to be involved in discipleship. Maybe there's something God needs you to, to do to be obedient to him. But man, praise God, you're in him. Man, may God give us the grace to go forward.
do whatever God is calling us to do this Christmas and give away what God has put in us. Is there anybody that says, hey, Brian, I just need some prayer? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're lifting our hands to you. There's many hands here I saw go up. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a ho- super holy priest here. I'm not the Pope. I'm just another sinner saved by grace. So, Father, we all come to you uh, before your throne, and we, and we lift up our hands knowing that you are the great, you are the great healer. You're the, the creator of all. You're able to come to this earth and be made flesh and still be God and die on the cross for our sins and take all that burden on and free us from the, the penalty of sin and death through faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. Father, we rejoice in that knowledge. And Lord, I pray, God, that that, would, that that knowledge would become application in our life. I pray, God, if there are decisions that folks need to make or there are struggles that they're going through, may, God, you help them even through this sermon, through this time, through being gathered together on the first day of the week as you commanded us. Lord, we pray your blessing upon your people this Christmas. Lord, I pray, God, you would fill our hearts with love. Lord, that we would go out and we would be prepared to, to have our hearts right so we could share the gospel, the good news of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Lord, that we would study your word, that we would know you and the power of your resurrection being conformed into your very image. And Lord, turn us inside out. Make us look like you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for coming.